Sefer Shmot, Parshat Shmot, on leadership and persuasion. Friends, now we enter the book of Exodus, Sefer Shmot, with Parshat Shmot, meaning names, which begins by listing the names of Yaakov's 12 sons, from whom the people of Israel, B'nai Israel, descend. Much has happened since Jacob's deathbed scene from last week's Parsha. The Israelites now have, quote, multiplied and increased very greatly so that the land of Egypt was filled with them. There's also a new Pharaoh in town, and he's not like the one who previously dealt so graciously with Yosef. Seeing the rapidly increasing Israelite population as a threat, this Paro forces the Jewish people into slavery. He additionally instructs the Hebrew midwives to kill any Hebrew boys who are born, though they righteously defy that order. That's when we get the mandate that baby boys are to be thrown into the Nile. We then see the famous story of the infant Moshe, Moses, being put into the basket and rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. Moshe, of course, grows up and comes to encounter God via the burning bush, through which he is told that he will be the one to confront Pharaoh and set the Israelites free. And after some disbelief that someone like him would be given such a task, Moshe, with the support of his brother Aaron, goes to Pharaoh and speaks the necessary truth to power. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go. While we tend to think of this as a triumphant moment in the fight for justice, it's a move that initially backfires. Pharaoh not only refuses to let Israel go, he makes their labor impossibly hard by refusing to provide them with the straw needed to make bricks. And the Israelites, unable to complete their work, are beaten ruthlessly by Pharaoh's taskmasters. This makes them angry with Moses. Exodus chapter 5 tells us, Ve'yif gu et Moshe, as they left Pharaoh's presence, they came upon Moses and Aaron standing in the path. And they said to him, May the Lord look upon you and punish you for making us loathsome to Pharaoh and his courtiers, putting a sword in their hands to slay us. The medieval commentator, Avraham ibn Ezra, suggests that the disgruntled Israelites have a point. He imagines that when they specifically mean to say to Moses and Aaron is, may the Lord look at the violence done to us, the responsibility for which falls upon you, here we see the first major crisis in Moses' career as a leader. He doesn't know how to respond to the Israelite foreman. He is silent. Confused by what has happened, Moshe goes to God asking why he was divinely commanded to carry out a failed mission, saying in effect, look at what's happening. I'm making things worse. Moshe can talk to God, and he can even talk to Paro but he doesn't yet know how to talk to his own people. Friends, this story can teach us a lesson about leadership 
and how to manage the complaints of those who follow us. Responding to the prophetic call to pursue justice often means ruffling feathers. And the problem with being a rabble rouser is that your people might be afraid, sometimes very afraid. So what do we do about that? What do we do about this tension? On the one hand, we want to only go as fast as the people can go. We can't push for change when the masses aren't with us. The movement won't survive. We will be deemed radicals and they will run from us. As leaders, we won't survive the people uprising against our ambitious tactics. The job of leadership necessarily involves bringing others along at a pace they can handle. On the other hand, there are times when we are obligated to do what is right, even when the people aren't ready for it, as lonely and painful as that might be. Whether you are a parent, a CEO, a president, or you're gonna to have to make decisions based on your conscience, rather than popularity. You must do all that's possible to bring others along. Sometimes you have to go slower, but sometimes you have to recognize the imperative to plow forward. Other times, a leader's best move is to temper the population's expectations in order to keep them moving toward the greater goal. In the case of Nelson Mandela, of blessed memory, a movement among the black community in South Africa really wanted revenge for the cruelties of apartheid. But Mandela had embraced an ethic of forgiveness. He wanted to move forward, not be stuck in the past. He wanted peace over truth. Therefore, he had to do a lot of hard work to bring people along. So too, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had to make the case for how patient nonviolent activism was gonna go further than acting upon the rage, however justified that rage may be. In 2012, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of Blessed Memory identified seven principles of Jewish leadership. Number six on his list is leadership involves a sense of timing and pace. Sachs writes, a leader must lead from the front but a leader must not be so far out in front that when he turns around, he finds no one following. He must carry people with him. He must go at a pace that people can bear. One of Moses's deepest frustrations is the sheer time it takes for people to change. In the end, it would take a new generation and a new leader to lead the people across the Jordan and into the promised land. Hence the rabbi's great saying, it is not for you to complete the task, but neither are you free to desist from it. For Moses's conflict in our Torah portion, God responds to his complaint that the people were not on board with his vision, reassuring Moses that while the Israelites are angrily pushing back against his aggressive demands now, justice will ultimately carry the day. God says, you shall see soon what I will do to Pharaoh he shall let them go because of a greater might. Indeed, because of a greater might, he shall drive them from his land. Parshat Shmot reminds us that we must have the strength to do what's right, even, and especially when the masses deem it unpopular. And we must have faith that strongly defined ethics 
will win out over political expediency. Shabbat shalom.